I tell you what, guys, this still messes with me a lot. This messes with me a whole bunch. Just that there's so many people here right now. I mean, like, to you guys, this may not seem like a whole grip of people, but, like, this, this jacks with me pretty bad. You know, like, there's just something taking place. You know, I think uh, Kasia and um, Reagan, they were at a bar watching a show probably like a month ago. And so they go outside, and because they're so gorgeous, all these guys, like, follow them outside or whatever. And I don't know, I may be telling, I'm not good with details at all, but this is the gist of it. They go outside, they're at a bar, Reagan's car got towed away. I mean, there's like natural stuff going on. They walk outside and so all these guys follow them out there and they're like, hey, you know, what's up? And Reagan gets a word of knowledge. Like, hey man, your shoulder hurts. I don't remember what it was or something. But anyways, these guys out there like start getting like crazy rock and there's like this whole group of people outside like praying together at this like show at some bar in town. And then Clay over here, you know, he's driving past the bar and the Holy Spirit's like, go in there. And he's like, no. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit speaks to him again every time he drives past this place, go in there. So finally he walks into the bar and he's like, hey, I sing. I play guitar. They give him a job without hearing him sing ever. He goes there this past week. He plays the show and they give him a reoccurring gig. He has a spot. Is it every week? Twice a month. So this guy, he's in this bar, hanging out, screaming Jesus in the microphone. (laughs) Guys, you know what? There's just stuff happening right now. And and Catherine and I, I think that we do a lot of things because it's how it's always been done. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Can Can you relate with that? Like, there's so many things that are done in church, and we do them that way because it's the way they've been done. It doesn't necessarily mean they're right or that they're wrong or, or whatever, but it's just the way that they've always been done. And for me, not growing up in church and not knowing how things were done and starting a church, I was like, well, let's just do it this way because this feels right. Or let's do this this way because this is what I feel like we're supposed to do. And it's so funny because in the beginning, everybody tells you it's not going to work. And then once it starts working, they start telling you how you should do it because it's working. And I'm like, but if I would have listened to you a long time ago, we would have never even started. There's a guy, some of, you, some of you have heard of him. I've mentioned him here before, but his name's Lonnie Frisbee. How many of you guys ever heard of this guy? A few of you guys, okay. Who's ever heard of John Wimber? How many of you have ever heard of Randy Clark? The Toronto Revival? You guys have heard of that stuff? Lonnie Frisbee was a hippie in like the late 60s. And he was taking acid up in the mountains naked. And a couple of his, <laughs> a couple of his buddies were there. So they're all tripped out on acid. And Lonnie Frisbee says, let's read the Bible. And so they start reading the Bible and they see John the Baptist and how he had a long beard and long hair. And he's like, we all have beards and long hair. And then it shows that 
he baptized people. So Lonnie Frisbee takes his friends down to this river and starts baptizing them high on LSD and has an open vision of Jesus and starts drawing Jesus on this rock. So everybody, of course, is like, Lonnie, you just got really high. That's all that happened. And he's like, yeah, but he's still talking to me. (laughs) And the Lord speaks to him and says, you're going to have a very unique ministry. And you're going to reach a lot of people. So late 60s, what does the church look like in America? It's pews, it's hymns, it's it's clean-cut people. And here comes... This guy in a robe with sandals, a beard, and long hair. This whole revival started. Who's ever heard of the Jesus movement? That was Lonnie Frisbee. However, stuff starts happening, and he was in a church. It was Calvary Chapel. It was a church of about 40 people. And in two years, it grew to like 10,000. Crazy things are happening. But the pastor of the church stopped everything. If anybody falls down when you pray for them, you're out of here. You're fired. They started taking the Holy Spirit into the back room. It was called an afterglow. So then he meets up with John Wimber. The vineyard movement, that whole crazy time in the 80s. People shaking, laughing, all that stuff. That was Lonnie Frisbee. He met up with John Wimber at a church meeting. A couple years later, 10,000 people. Wherever this guy went, he just brought Jesus. And this video we watched about him was so beautiful because he would just get up on stage and all he would really say is, Jesus loves you so much. That's it. There was nothing, but he believed it. Now, why have we never heard of Lonnie Frisbee? Because at the end of his life, he contracted AIDS and died. So he was, removed from the, he was removed from the history books. Nobody's ever heard of him. There's coming a day now where in that time, the hippies went into the church. There's coming a day now where the church is going to them. It's just happening. I can't tell you how many people I talk to these days are like, man, I love God so much, but I feel like I'm, I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to be in church. I want to be here. I want to do this. I feel like I'm called to this. Ray left. I wish he was here. He had to go. But our, one of our MMA fighters, Ray, he just signed a contract with uh, King of the Cage for six fights. Huge deal. That's a big, big deal. You know, I believe in Jesus telling people to lock yourself in a cage and fight. If that's what he said, then do it. There's just stuff happening, guys, and I'm just so glad I get to be a part of it. And a lot of it's starting right here. Yeah. So anyways, I'm going to preach. I just felt like saying that. (laughs) I'm serious though, like we had, our, we had our staff meeting today and I know everybody on my team, obviously. And I was looking around at all of them and, and I know all of their stories. I know what they did, I know where they've been, all these kinds of things. 
And I'm looking around and I'm like, none of us are really that special. (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on. Bear with me. Bear with me. None of us are really that special. You know, prior to, because I, I, I was sitting there and I was looking, I, I made everybody close, them, close their eyes, but I kept mine open. <laughs> and I'm like looking around at everybody and I started thinking about each one of them and I started thinking about like their story and who they were before they had this radical encounter. And I, I pick on Jeremy all the time, but I mean like seriously, two years ago, this guy had liver failure and was addicted to cocaine. I mean, and thought he was going to die and he's here now. <laughs> I mean, like, he's going to Australia in a couple of months. Like, I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many stories like that. I mean, <laughs> I never forget one of the, back, way back, this is like four years ago now, Isaac was my worship leader at Pulse, and he comes in, and something's just not necessarily right. And I'm just like, are you okay, man? He's like, yeah, man, I'm fine. <sighs> and I'm just like, what's wrong with you, man? And he's like, well, and he pulls up the back of his shirt, and there's Sharpie of all kinds of things, and he's like, I had a pretty, <clears throat> last night was a little bit wild, and I'm just like, oh God, like, but here's the thing, I had a clear word from the Lord that he was supposed to be my worship leader, so what do I do, because he's jacked up, or he's doing something crazy, tell him to go home, I regard no man after the flesh, the church is going to quit discounting people, Here's the truth, guys. Your sins aren't forgiven. They were not forgiven. I thought that would go over that way. (laughs) They weren't. It's just the truth. I tried to put this on Facebook the other day, and Catherine was like, no. (laughs) But it's true. Your sins were not forgiven. They were paid for. I think in so many grace communities... We take this and we're like, man, the grace, and I'm like a grace preacher. Believe in it, live it. But we forget how we got it. If grace ever takes you away from relationship, or grace ever takes you away from covenant, or grace ever takes you away from who he is, then the the whole purpose of grace is defeated. Why do we have grace? Because in our own selves, we could have never paid the price. His grace is what empowers us to know him. You guys believe me? We can't get away from the fact that our sins were paid for. Like this lavish grace, this lavish abundance that we live in was paid for. He paid for it with his life. The most precious life. He paid for it with that. And he was glad to do it. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. This abundance we get to live in was paid for. It wasn't like it was something that was free. Oh yeah, we'll do that. There was a huge sacrifice tied to what we have. And everything stems from that. I am a child of God, but why? Because he adopted me. 
I am one of his kids, man. I live in his abundance. I have his favor. But why? Because he paid for it. I'm on his tab. I didn't do anything. There was nothing that I did in myself that could have ever. That's why when I sit here and I tell you guys, like, dude, this blows my mind. I'll never forget the first time Annabelle told me that we had band practice. I was like, our band has practice? And I don't have to be there? You guys did this on your own? Because I know, man, like, all this stuff I've got to see, like, everything that I've got to see happen, all of you that I've gotten to know, it's not because of anything I did. Everything in our life. Is tied to him and his sacrifice. And if we brush over that and just say, well, our sins are forgiven, it's taken care of. They totally are, but it's because he paid for them. I grew up like in a like really poor community, like rough place or whatever. And, you know, our friends that actually did have stability and stuff, their parents worked hard for that stability. I didn't live in a place where, you know, we didn't have like super rich kids. My friends weren't super, super rich kids, you know, and and the people that I knew, you know, if they had any form of stability, it was because their parents worked hard for them to have it. And I had a friend named Clay. He was a really, really good baseball player. And at our school, you had to buy your own bat, your own baseball bat. And so he had this, like, really banged up, like, whatever bat. And his birthday was coming up, and he needed a new bat for baseball season. And there was a certain bat. It was called, like, a stealth or something. I'll never forget it. And his dad worked the overnight shift on top of, he was pulling double shifts for a month to save up the extra money to buy Clay this bat. And we all knew what his dad was doing and it was all this kind of stuff. But when he got it, Clay carried this thing with him everywhere. Walking around school, he had his backpack and his bat. I mean, like, that shows you what school I went to. Like, first of all, that he could even do that. Everywhere he went, he carried this thing, and he wouldn't let any of us touch it. Was it an awesome bat? Yeah, it was so cool. But the reason it was so special is because he knew the sacrifice that came with it. He knew what his dad had to do in order to get that for him. Now, that's beautiful. But what if he would have never used it? What if he would have carried it around, walked around with it, told people how he got it, and never used it? Not a single time. That's a beautiful story gone bad. Why are we here? Why? I've said this a thousand times. Some of you guys have heard me say this so much, but it's just the truth. And I told our team today, I was like, look, I'm going way down back to the basics tonight. How many of you guys know what Eden means? Most of you guys should know this by now. It means presence of pleasure. So God placed us in the beginning in a garden of his presence and pleasure. That's where he designed us and created us to reign, to have dominion, to overtake, to spread this atmosphere of presence and pleasure. That's where he placed us. We were created to be a people that he could lavish himself upon. 
That's the whole reason that we're here. It's for him to pour his goodness and his love out on us. I'm just saying there's so many, there's so many things out there. There's so many gospels. There's so many things that talk about how little we are and how I think that we're, we mean a lot. Why? Because I know the sacrifice he paid for me. You got to care about something a whole, whole lot to pay that price. To give that degree of sacrifice, you have got to care about what you're giving it for. Now, if I told you I needed a dollar, some of you guys in here would give me a dollar. If I told some of you I need your house, I need your car. I need everything you have, all of it. I need you to die for me. What would determine whether or not you would do that? How much you care about me? Have you guys ever thought about what he gave up to come here and die for us? The truth is, is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they were here before we were. The first and the last, they existed before we did. We were created. They are eternal. You guys believe me? We're created. They are eternal. I don't think that there was some big, huge argument in heaven. Well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to whatever. Jesus, you have to pay for it. And he's like, oh. No. They knew what they were getting into. Jesus knew the price he was going to have to pay before we were ever created, and he did it. We are a people designed, created to live and abide in his abundance and his goodness. It's what we're created for. It's what we're designed for. I just don't, I don't get it. Why would he make us so that we could suffer? Why would he do that? He wouldn't. You know the most beautiful thing in the world? Somebody finding out who they are. I've told this story before, but it was just kind of funny. Catherine and I went on our first uh, mission trip together, like, years ago, and we were in Mexico. And, like... The night before this happened, I was chicken fighting on some monkey bars. And I fell like 15 feet and did something real bad to my back. I don't know what I did, but it was bad. My body went into convulsions. I was sweating and stuff. It was bad. And the next day, we had to go. It's like 115,000 degrees outside. And we had to go, and we were going like door-to-door evangelizing and stuff. And so... Because we were going to so many houses and knocking on so many doors, after probably like the first hour, a lot of the people on our team started basically just going up to people and be like, do you want to go to hell? <laughs> and they were like, uh, no. <laughs> well, then you should receive Jesus. And like by this time, I'm like, I'm not having any part of it. Like I'm in like in the street playing with kids, like waddling because my back hurts so bad. And we get to this house, and there's this young girl. She's like probably 16, I think. 
And she gave her life to the Lord. It was really pretty. But the whole time we were doing that, there was this other guy next door mocking us and like laughing at it. He was like drinking a beer. He had his shirt off. You know, he's like laughing at us and laughing at her and all this kind of stuff. When I saw him, I was just like, man, something's about to go down with this guy. And so I'm like playing in the street with the kids and stuff. And of course, our little group goes over and like surrounds him and starts talking to him about all kinds of stuff. And somebody on our team was like, Justin, come here and talk to him. So I walk up to him and I'm just like, you know what, I'm really done with this. So I grab him and I push him up against the fence. And I looked at him and I was like, and the interpreter was there and I was like, I don't care what anybody else said to you. This is what's happening. This is what's here for you. Do you want this? And I told him everything that I knew about the gospel to that point. I'm staring him straight in his eyes and I'm like, this is, this is the gospel. Jesus came here and he died for you. He wants you to live in abundance. And I tell him, I just tell him the gospel. And something just broke. And I asked him, do you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? And he said, yes. Now, the other people that were just scared of going to hell, did they, did they actually give their life to the Lord? I don't know. It's not for me to decide. But something was very different about this guy. So I walk away from him, and our, our team's just kind of like moving on to the next thing. I look back, and Catherine is like gone. She's like on, in a ball crying in the middle of the street in this slum in Mexico. And I'm like, okay. And so like everybody's leaving and she's just standing there. So I go over there and I'm trying to like hug her, or pick her up. She's like, don't ask me. Don't ask me. I'm just like, okay. And so I'm just kind of standing there. The kids are like jumping all over us. And I'm just like, <laughs> my back hurts. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, because I'm not very emotional. And so like, I'm like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, he got it. He got it. He knows who he is. He knows what he's worth. There's nothing more beautiful than that. You know what the truth is? Is that you can do anything. That it's not impossible. That you can do anything. And I don't care where you're from or how much money you have or what you've done because none of that matters because the only thing that does matter is what he did for you. All of this is made possible by him, not by us. What did we do? I am living proof that if you keep showing up, stuff happens. Just what has he said to do? Where has he said to go? Because he can. And it'll happen. And don't give up on people. I know it's really easy to do, and it's really hard to not give up on people. But the truth is, is the second that we start feeling like we're superior or we're better because of something we did, we've missed the whole thing. It's not true. Everything that I have, everything that's been given to me, every gifting, every whatever, all authority, everything was given to me by him. I didn't do anything. I did nothing. But he did a lot. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. I prophesied over Chad, I think, earlier. But there's one of my favorite scriptures in, in the whole Bible. And, and you guys know that David was a warrior, right? 
It's almost that time, okay. You guys know David was a warrior, right? He was. If you read those books, you find out that dude was freaking crazy. But in the Psalms, it says that the Lord trained my fingers to fight. He was a shepherd. He didn't come from a family that was going to be like, he didn't come from a royal family. He didn't come from anything. He was a shepherd over a a few sheep, but the Lord trained his fingers to fight. The Lord trained his fingers to fight. If you're inadequate, good. If you can't do it, good. Because he can't. Nothing's impossible. And I say it all the time, but the truth is, is the second that you do something impossible, you just made it possible for everybody else. So if you're going after possible things, why? Why? When there's a world of the impossible waiting to be opened up for everybody. It's constant. And it doesn't come from us going out and doing anything. It comes from us being on our face. Delight yourself in the the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. That's the strategy. That's the plan. That's the whole thing. You make your delight in him, and your heart will always be satisfied. It'll always be hungry, but it will always be satisfied. Because he's more than enough, and he always will be. You know what? Your dream isn't big enough. Your impossible isn't hard enough. Because the Lord always outgrows his creation. We were never, ever, ever meant to conceal him. We were always meant to reveal him. And when you do something impossible, everybody knows that wasn't him that just did that. And I love stories. So go do something and tell me the story because I'll tell it for the rest of my life. Catherine had a prophetic word in our staff meeting, and I just want to share it with you guys, and then we're going to go into worship. And really, guys, I just encourage you, just tonight, it's just basic. This is as old school as it gets for us. Just worship. Catherine had a prophetic word, and we were all running around with lightsabers. Okay, did did anybody else just see that? Nobody else just saw that. That was, all right, cool. That was cool. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> that was terrifying. Okay. <sighs> Any of you guys ever like turned around and there was somebody there and you're like, oh God. It's the same thing. <sighs> I'm sorry. So Catherine had a prophetic word. And we all had lightsabers. And she was just like, well, what does this mean? She said she saw like some of us in like grocery stores and some of us in like shopping malls and doing all these other kinds of things. 
And we were just going to bless people. We were just going to bless them. But in blessing them, we touched them with the lightsaber and all of the shame and all of everything that was inside of them haunting them just got broke off right then. And the Lord was just saying, have fun. Who doesn't want to have a lightsaber? Let's be honest. I mean, like, even some of you guys are like, oh, that's not that cool. You still want one. Who doesn't want a lightsaber? So just have fun. And in the process of that, you're never going to believe where you go. And the greatest thing is, is we didn't pay for it. It's not on our account. 